Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Kesey, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. I have two guests for you on this edition of the podcast. Newsday Mets beat writer Tim Healy will be on to talk about the Mets' search for a new manager following Carlos Beltran's resignation after his name was linked to the Houston Astros cheating scandal. I taped the segment with Tim on Monday, and on Wednesday, the Mets were set to name Luis Rojas as the new manager. My first guest has been uh, with the Amsterdam Recorder for the past 10 years and now is the newest member of the Daily Gazette sports staff with the purchase of the uh, Amsterdam Recorder by Gazette Newspapers. Uh, more importantly, he is from Philadelphia. So we have uh, the Philadelphia domination in the Gazette Sports Office now. Adam Schindler joins me for the uh, first time on the Party Shots podcast. Adam, welcome aboard. It's glad to be here. Well, first of all, your thoughts about joining the Gazette, because I know with the way this industry is these days, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, so it's got, got to be some mixed feelings. You know, you're still working with the quarter because you're producing both newspapers. But at the same time, you're going to get an expanded audience with the Gazette. Yes, it's it, it's odd, mainly because I had the same commute every day for about ten and a half years. Uh, but really, really excited to to join to join the staff to get yeah, really have a broader audience and uh, really branch out after after the last ten years. What was it like working at the Recorder? It was it was uh, you know very intimate. Uh, I could say we got to uh, especially down at the end a very very small staff. You got to know. Everyone very, very well. And and living in Amsterdam the past 10 years got very, very close with a lot of people. You kind of end up doing just about everything, you know, for the last several years, taking my own photos, you know, writing all my stories, uh, laying out pages. So, you know, you kind of pegged into be, you become a jack of all trades, which uh, which is stress, stressful at times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get, you get a deep skill set. How much did you learn? From that experience, oh, so so much. There was so much stuff that I that I never learned in school that I learned from from experience. You know, I never thought I'd be taking pictures. I never thought I'd uh, really be laying out pages at all. And you know, when I when I look back at the stuff I wrote ten years ago, I, I cringe. <laughs> and that's one of the things. I mean, I just you know sort of made the transition from uh, covering Union College hockey for twenty five years to uh, doing other stuff with editing, getting laid off for a bit, and coming back. Uh, I mean, one thing I mean. I, I never really – I think to me the layout portion of it is a lot easier now than it was when I first started because we didn't have pagination tables at the yeah. time where everything was still being done in a composing room. Uh, I know they tried – one of my bosses at the York Daily Record tried to get me to do layouts because I knew the computer system, but I never knew really drawings and all that stuff because it was like I, – I, I got frustrated as a young guy at the time, and that was a frustrating point. But now it's – to me – the way out now with the with the pagination, you just basically putting together a jigsaw yeah, puzzle. Yeah. That's, I, a, that's I, a lot more fun now than that was uh, some, some thirty years ago. Yeah, I remember being so so terrified in college when I had a graphic design class at eight in the morning. I'm like, <laughs> this is this is why I never yeah. want to do this. And you know, after 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 ten years, you're like, well, it's, it's not it's not as it's not as scary as you think it's going to be. Did you major in journalism? I did. And yeah. where did where is this at? I went to Syracuse, uh, graduated in two thousand seven. Yeah, I, I actually I was fortunate for myself because I was actually a radio TV major at York College of Pennsylvania, okay. but it was a four, the four year degree was the speech communication, so that's yeah. a fancy way of saying four years of radio TV. Yeah, yeah. And I took one year of journalism cl class uh, my junior year, and then was taught by two uh, 
a reporter and a copy editor at the Daily at the York Daily Record. One of the end things was doing one internship, one day internship, and I did that. Covered the Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles playing charity basketball game yeah. shortly after they won the World Series against our Phillies in 1983. And next thing you know, I'm doing part-time stuff and then gradually, you know, went into full-time a couple of years later. So it's me, it's, you sometimes get, you know, lucky breaks and you, you know, it's a great business. To, it really is a great business to be yeah. in. And, uh, but you know, the way it is right now, you just, you see you know, people getting laid off and it's just not, not really a lot of fun, yeah. but, but it's, we still need to print a word, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what did you uh, – this was your first job at the Amsterdam Recorder? Yeah, I had a job at a wire service uh, in Hatboro, Pennsylvania for about six, seven months uh, before, I, before I came up here. It was That was essentially we would watch games on TV and, and write them up from the office, and sometimes they'd had, have stringers who'd send me some quotes, so – a lot of 4 a.m. mornings watching uh, West Coast baseball, which wasn't necessarily <laughs> fun. Uh, um, what did when you first got arrived in Amsterdam? What was uh, did you have a main beat, or was it, it was a lot of a lot of uh, stuff? And when I when I arrived, uh, it was really everything, you know, and and kind of kind of stayed that way uh, through the beginning. You know, it was high schools, you know, high schools obviously is the primary focus with the some summer baseball and some other things, but uh, I was really, I was thrown right in. I think I had Amsterdam football within three days of, of moving up and uh, you know, really, you know, kind of, kind of, I tried, you know, f- football during the fall was the main focus. It really sort of came into what was good at what time. Yeah. What, uh, what was anything memorable from your time at the recorder? I mean, a couple, a couple things really. So like Amsterdam football in 2015, uh, when they went from 0 and 3 to winning the, uh, winning the sectional championship, uh, was really amazing. Uh, anytime uh, Fort Plain baseball was fun because Craig Phillips, uh, to anyone who knows him, is one of the most entertaining human beings uh, you could ever hope to meet. Uh, so their state championship in 2016 was 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 a wild ride. And then uh, some some interesting things, you know, getting to getting to talk on the phone with with Dr. Tom Katina, uh, who is just the former Amsterdam football player and now doing this unbelievable medical missionary work in Sudan. And you're like, that's the time of person. Like, I'm never going to talk to somebody like that yeah. in my life. And you know, ending up with that was incredible. Now here at the Gazette, um, you're getting started to get settled in. It's only been a couple of weeks here, but you know, you're getting, feel like you're getting settled in. Yeah. I feel, feel things are getting, uh, getting pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, got out to a couple of high school games last week, starting to know some new folks and, uh, you know, got out to to Albany lacrosse practice yesterday, and you know, uh, moving into that beat, you know, yeah, really, really, really excited for that. You know, I got to got to learn lacrosse a little bit in college. Actually, the first the first college lacrosse game I ever saw was probably back in two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, for my sports writing class, was a U Albany uh, game at Syracuse at the Carrier Dome. Yeah, uh, yeah obviously, U Albany beat is you know they're coming off a disappointing twenty nineteen yeah. season. Uh, you were out there recently. At, uh, talks uh, to the goaltender. What yeah. is he thinking about this? Sikorsky, uh, yeah, Sikorsky uh, had a really, really rough end to to the 2019 season. Hurt his ankle slipping in his apartment right before the America East tournament. Uh, had to miss that game, but really, really motivated uh, to get back out. And that seems to be the sense mm-hmm. to kind of prove that that last year was just a, a brief hiccup. You know, the, the one down year. And that the program came back, get back to where it was, especially the last you know half decade before that. And getting the cover, you mentioned you covered high school. You covered a Nisku and a Shen uh, wrestling uh, match uh, last week. Mm-hmm. So getting out to see some of these other schools outside 
the Foothill Council and the Western Athletic Conference. Is that going to be a lot of fun? That's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I I, I always you know, keep eyes on tangentially and you see things. You know, you get down to sectionals and you get to see kids, but. Uh, really interesting to see some of these teams, especially some of these suburban council programs that have been really, really excellent uh, over the course of a long time. And that, you know, maybe I don't get to see uh, with the exception of, you know, if, if someone's playing a sectional event. Now let's still get down to the brass tacks here. We're talking Philadelphia. Let's get to the, this is the more important stuff, folks. <laughs> uh, where did you go to high school in the Philly area? Uh, I went to high school in George school, which is in uh, Newtown Bucks County, about 40 minutes outside the city on I-95. Yeah. Uh, I grew up about five minutes from there and uh, uh, grew up mostly in Langhorne and then moved to to Holland a few years later. Yeah, I know that area very well. Uh, Obviously, big Philadelphia sports fan. uh, So let's talk about this Eagle season this past year. I mean, disappointing in one sense, but the fact uh, they they rallied, got the, the division. I guess it's yeah, yeah okay, I, but I mean, they could have done better. Yeah, it's it's the kind of the kind of you you go into that season and you're like, oh, this team's going to be amazing. It's a it's a Super Bowl team, and then you know by the by late November, you're like, I just want this season to be over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at the game in Miami at the start of December. Oh, it was a man. brutal brutal <laughs> yeah. day. Yes, uh, the weather was nice though. It was it was a, it was a, it was a great. <laughs> It was a great trip, went down with my family. That was a lot of fun. But uh, walking out of that stadium, you're like, oh, just let this season be over. Yeah. And to to overcome as many injuries as they as they did and even get to the playoffs, uh, thank you, Jason Garrett, for, for allowing yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts about Carson? I, I mean, he stayed healthy for the, you know, for the entire regular season. Obviously got the cheap shot from Clowney in, in, the, in the playoff game. But there, to me, I think the Philadelphia Eagles fans forget what he did in 2017 leading up to what had Nick Foles did. And of course, the people, I think people forget they, people wanted Nate Sudfeld starting oh, yeah. that playoff game against the Falcons because Foles looked so awful against the Raiders on Monday night, the Christmas game night game. And then the Dallas game for the Lily plate, he looked awful. And then it's like people were crying for, you know, and then it's also now Nick Foles is God because he lets leads into the yeah. championship. And, uh, and Nick uh, Carson Wentz, you know, a little mistake he makes everybody, but it's just like I don't, I just don't get. It. I mean, Carson has his faults. Don't don't get me wrong. But to the point where you, you're just picking on every little thing. It's like, come on. I mean, he had a he had a great year. He had a great year. Yeah, there are points you you watch him and and you get frustrated. Maybe uh, probably just that he holds onto the ball a little too long more than anything else. But there's there's throws he makes and there's plays he makes. I, I look back to the the throw he made in the Washington game. Uh, the throw he makes to Miles Sanders uh, in the end zone yeah. where he sprints along the sideline and fits the ball in about a, a three-inch window. And you realize that there's maybe four or five guys in the whole league who can make that play right now. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if if Patrick Mahomes makes that play, every it's the biggest play in the history of football. Wentz, I don't know if it's that that small school thing. People people seem to have, you know wanted to, want to find ways that he's not great and yeah. Any quarterback can be frustrating, but you know I've I've been in his camp for a long time. Here's the other thing, Eagles fans: if they didn't trade to get once the draft pick for once, Sam Bradford could still be quarterback in this team. That would be that would be that would be be interesting. The uh, the I still looking back. You look at the years you had the 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 Chip Kelly in charge of personnel years and. Uh, you know, you only have to look back and watch Raheem Mostert mm-hmm. uh, getting getting cut, not just from the Eagles, yeah. but from six other teams, yeah. but running for 220 yards. And you wonder, 
why did we get rid of that guy? <laughs> yeah, it's it's well, Chip Kelly's a different not a story for another time. Uh, I mean, what what you, what are your thoughts about the Phillies? Uh, Joe Girardi. I was I was a fan. You know, I I was willing to give Kapler uh, a chance despite the fact that he clearly came out to just one not really know how to put a bullpen together and two kind of just to be a deeply weird human being. Yeah. Uh, but Girardi seems like a guy, you know, clearly he's had, he had success in, in both of his stops uh, managerially, won a World Series, gives confidence back to the the fan base, you know, be nice if they had a, a third, uh, you know, an idea of who their fourth, fifth starter was going yeah. to be. But, uh, you know, at least at least an idea that if they can stay healthy this year in, uh, on, in the pitching staff, there's at least a direction going forward. Uh, the, my, my main concern, and I don't think this has been really – Emphasize enough with Aaron Nola. I, he is the last two September's. He has faded down the stretch. He, he has. This has been a problem, and I, I mean, I think some people recognize it, but I think it's the fact that he has not been there in, in that stretch drive is has got to. That's got to change. I mean, I think that'll change on the Girardi. I, I think to me, fans. I lost. I was out on Kapler after the first game. I, they, I know they, a, they, lot, a, lot, a lot. A lot of people were out on him for for that, and and that that next day when he screwed up and couldn't they were throwing position yeah. players by the second game because he couldn't figure out how to how to work guys in and that's definitely you lose confidence with stuff like that and they clearly his 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 uh, his welcome wore out really really quickly uh, and, and I think the fact that yeah he was he was never one to criticize the players he was yeah. too too positive and it's like we're just like no th- this team stinks yeah. they're not doing something I mean it doesn't doesn't bench players for hus- not hustling it's just it, no that's just that's not going to happen on the Girardi. We'll that's going to change in a hurry, so I'm happy about that. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers, as we taped this on uh, Monday, they eke out a win over the Brooklyn Nets. This is a team that uh, – they can play great against the great teams, but against yeah. the lousy teams, they just don't show up. And you just – you got to wonder, I mean, what's going to happen with yeah, Brett Brown? I mean, is he on the hot, hot seat? I mean, you'd have to think that this is the put-up-or-shut-up year if they don't at least get to a conference final this year and, and look good on that way. You've got to think maybe the, 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 the ownership finally decides, you know, we need to, we need to get it, get a different voice in here. Someone who could maybe run something a little different and maybe make better use of just the unique talents mm-hmm. that team has. Cause it is such a weirdly put together, unbelievably talented and gigantic starting lineup, but you know, maybe there's better ways to utilize Ben Simmons than he's being used right now. Maybe there's some better ways to figure out how to use Simmons and, and Embiid when he you know eventually gets healthy together. And yeah, they can be, they can be a frustrating team to watch against these against these bad teams and teams that throw zones at them. But you know, then you watch then you watch you know the Christmas Day game against Milwaukee yeah. and you realize when this team plays that way, motivated at home, there's. Well, There's got, not a bet. There may not be a better team in the league on an on a, on any given night. But they got to get motivated on the road because they want to get uh, home court at least for the first two rounds. Yeah, uh, they're going to need. They're, they're going to need, need. They're going to need to at the very least. And, you know, just catch it. You know, now all of a sudden there's a big three way log jam with them, Boston, and Toronto, and you know, catching Milwaukee's probably out of the picture. But you know, getting you know, around Boston, Toronto, Indiana, and Miami, yeah. getting the two seed is going to be a big, big yeah, deal. Yeah, because obviously uh, that cost them in uh, Game Seven in Toronto last year on that uh, bounce on the on the rim there. And finally, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, they, you know, I grew up in the during the Broad Street Bullies yeah. era, and it was like success was you know, always 
there and then for, you know in your time it's really been a sort of schizophrenic uh, one year they'll look good and make the playoffs next year they haven't I think they finally did it right got, got rid of getting rid of Dave Hackstall yeah. as a coach and Elaine Vigneault I think is getting the job done still taking some time to get things going but what are your thoughts on the Flyers yeah it really does seem like you know there's a there's a youth movement that you know they finally started to embrace after the kind of weird way Hackstall did things for a couple of years and you know, being being nice for them just to just to be a little bit more consistent. You know, the hope is that after you know 25, 30 years of who's the goalie, you know, having Carter Hart in there right. is is hopefully a sign for the future. And you know, there's a, there's at least the confidence that some of the guys they've brought in over the last couple of years are are really really uh, at the point where they they've sort of you know because you get to the point where you're going to have to move on from the from the Giroux era yeah, yeah. as as great as great as he's been over his career that that Giroux Voracek era you're really kind of the next generation has to has to come through and obviously you know, hope Nolan Patrick can finally get healthy and yeah. and, and Frost and Farabee and, and that that group and Provorov and all of them yeah the hearts are obviously hurt right now he's out a couple yeah. weeks with lower body injury so you know. We'll see what happens there. That's another team that plays great at home but doesn't play well yeah. on the road. And you know, they got to figure that one out as well. So, uh, Adam, where can people find you on Twitter? I am at Adam underscore Schinder, S-H-I-N-D-E-R. Uh, people have misspelled my last name for as long as I can remember, <laughs> but uh, that's where I am on Twitter. Well, Adam, appreciate you coming on. And once again, welcome aboard. And uh, we'll catch you on here soon. Uh, so let's get ready for uh, lacrosse season. Absolutely. Glad to be part of the team. All right. That's Adam Schinder of the Gazette and Recorder. Uh, coming up, I'll talk with Newsday uh, Mets beat writer Tim Healy about the uh, situation involving Carlos Beltran, no longer the manager. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Hi, this is Union Women's Hockey Coach Josh Skiba. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots Podcast, while the uh, Houston Astros cheating scandal has uh, really uh, spread its tentacles all over Major League Baseball and has affected the New York Mets, where uh, not even a chance to manage a game. Carlos Beltran stepped down as Mets manager. And uh, to talk about the whole situation with the Mets is uh, Newsday beat writer, uh, Tim Healy. Tim, welcome back to the podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming back on. Uh, I know we were, we were probably going to talk before the start of spring training, but we're a month away, and uh, now the Mets need a new manager. I mean, how shocking was this uh, situation? It, it was pretty shocking. It was pretty shocking. We heard from the Athletic in November that Beltran was linked to the cheating scandal, and then even when MLB made it, released its report last week, and Beltron was named. Uh, frankly, at that point, I didn't expect him to lose his job over it. But obviously, over after deciding over parts of four days, the Mets decided otherwise, and here they are conducting their second manager search of the offseason. I mean, did, 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 did the Mets have any idea that, that Beltron was named to me? And if they did, why? You know, did they were they concerned that oh, he's probably not, it's not going to be a, a big deal? that they were surprised Beltran was named by MLB in Manfred's report last week. Um, they also said that for the two months that Major League Baseball was investigating the Astros, they did not discuss Beltran's involvement with Beltran. 
Now, I find that a little hard to believe. I think if you've got one of your prominent employees involved with this, or potentially involved even in this prominent scandal, then you're going to want to know what's coming. But the Mets say they didn't talk about it, continued about their offseason, making a handful of moves on the margin of their roster. And uh, here they are, caught off guard, looking for another manager. I mean, you know, obviously, we you know, we talked about the you know when Beltran was hired, the the inex, you know obviously no managerial experience, but a respected player. What does this do to his reputation? I think we're going to need a little more time to really find out. Beltran before this was highly and widely respected, twenty year career, maybe Hall of Famer. Um, I would bet that Beltran, if he wants to, works in baseball again a few years down the line. I don't think this is going to be it for him. Um, but in terms of what it means for his reputation, we're going to have to see, you know, and I think three more years he'll be on the Hall of Fame ballot, so that'll be one indication how he fares there. And uh, whether or not he gets hired in baseball by another team at some point, it will be another indication. I mean, are you surprised about how this uh, story has really exploded where it's affected not only – the Astros, but it's affected the Mets, it's affected the Red Sox. Yeah, it's been super interesting how its tentacles have sort of reached all over. Uh, the, the, the poor Mets, you know, for all of these self-inflicted controversies they've endured through the years, here they are needing a manager in October, deciding on bringing back one of the best players in franchise history, really exciting the fan base, it seems, exciting the organization. <laughs> somehow they get wrapped up on this in this with you know not, not at their own doing so uh it's been super frankly bizarre how this all has unfolded and uh i mean people are paying the price you know that the astros cheated and will be concluded that the astros cheated and when people cheat people get in trouble what does this mean for Brody Van Wagen, the general manager? I mean, he's made, he made the hire. Now, does, does ownership look at him and say, what were you thinking? Did you do your due diligence? Uh, I don't think Brody catches too much flack over this mishap because Jeff Wilpon was at least as involved as Brody in that hiring process. Um, so my stance on Brody right now is probably the same as it has been all offseason, where if the Mets do well this season, then – he should be in good shape. But if the Mets have another subpar season, miss the playoffs type of deal, then he could get kind of hot, especially with Steve Cohen coming in. Now, who do the Mets go? I mean, Guardo Perez was obviously one of the finalists for the job, and I probably ended up being the runner-up for the job. Do they go back to him, uh, even though he just uh, re-signed with ESPN? Or do they maybe go after an experienced manager at this point? As far as I know, they have not reached out to Eduardo Perez, who, you're right, was the runner-up when they hired Beltran. Um, I was sort of surprised to hear that they hadn't reached out to him in those first couple of days after letting go of Beltran. Um, and, and as far as the experience manager around, I really don't expect that at this point. Those names are floated out there. The, the Astros have talked to him, Dusty Baker, Buck Showalter, those, those kinds of guys. But in October, when the Mets went through this for a whole month, the only guy with real major league managerial experience they talked to was Joe Girardi. And and we all know how that went. The Mets weren't actually that interested. Girardi was the Phillies, and the Mets 
organization. I don't expect them to, uh, you know, consider somebody who wasn't considered at all uh, last time around. One of the readers uh, reached out to me on Instagram and asked, uh, when I was asking for people for questions, what about uh, David Wright? David Wright has no interest in coaching or managing. He's got that special assistant role. Um, he makes some appearances around the team during the year, especially when they're out west. He's at the winter meeting with the Mets front office contingent. But he's happy uh, being a retired player and being a dad right now. So uh, all indications are and have been that he, he's not too interested in living that baseball grind again. What, what, how have the uh, Mets players reacted to this? We, I really haven't seen much of the way of their, their thoughts. What are they thinking? Oh, we really haven't heard. We, we, we know Marcus Stroman, because he's so active on Twitter, um, has put out a few tweets that have been calling out the Astros, especially because, uh, as he tweeted recently, uh, there was a video recirculating of him facing the Astros in 2017. So, um, uh, Stroman is called the Astros out a bit, but other than that, we haven't heard too much. Uh, on Saturday, January 25th, coming up at the end of this week, the Mets have their fan fest at City Field, so I'm sure it'll be a topic of conversation there, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll hear a bit more about what the players think. Do you think that maybe the Mets will make a grand uh, thing out of this and maybe name the manager on that, on that, that uh, fan fest? Uh, can't, can't rule that out. <laughs> you know, Brody likes to put on the show, so it makes sense if he uh, did it with some fans there with uh, so much attention already on uh, already on the Mets that day. That, that seems quite possible. <laughs> what are your thoughts about this whole cheating scandal? I mean, a lot of people wonder why the uh, players weren't punished. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to see the Astros and maybe the Red Sox titles taken away. What, what, what are your thoughts about this? Is, is this the? I mean, we've had the steroid scandal. Uh, obviously, the Black Sox scandal back in you know, 100 years ago. I mean, is this the worst scandal in Major League Baseball history? It, it's up there. It's, it's it's definitely up there. Um, as far as taking the Astros and Red Sox titles away, I that's just not going to happen. You can't just pretend. Uh, that they didn't win their titles because they did. You know, this, this isn't the NCAA, which will <laughs> vacate all sorts of titles and awards and whatnot if they want to. Um, but, yeah, this scandal of this magnitude with four people losing their, their high-profile jobs over it is a, a huge deal. And I think there's a sense, too, within baseball that this type of cheating – you know, and the Astros players knew while they were doing it that they were crossing a line. They weren't the only ones. Uh, this prob- probably, almost definitely, goes deeper than the Astros and maybe the Red Sox, who are still under investigation by MLB. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see what else might come out from this. But there's a sense that the Astros were hardly, uh, uh, hardly the only team doing this, which is why Manfred levied such heavy punishments on them to try to scare other teams out of behaving similarly. Uh, The reader just reached out. Sam Hellings is asking, does the MLB investigation of cheating reach into the Mets organization? No. There's been no indication that that's the case. Um, The only Mets connection right now is that Beltran was on the Astros that year and then got uh, got hired. 
acquired by the Mets, but um, that part is over now. So as far as the Mets are concerned right now, the their involvement, quote-unquote, in this scandal um, is pretty much over. Yeah, and one other question from Mark Mahoney, who is our editorial page editor. He says, I, I'm sure you were going to ask this anyway, but here's mine. What's the Mets thinking on a new manager and how has it changed in the past week? And uh, yeah, I did ask this question already. Why don't they just hire the run up to the Beltran hire? So, you know, what do you think their thinking is? I think their thinking is uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they stay internal. They have on their major league staff right now two guys who were uh, candidates in October who received interviews that's Luis Rojas and Tony DeFrancesco. And then uh, Edwin. Newlands, uh, the bench coach, hired, you know, picked by Beltron. Um, he, the, the curious part about that, if they promoted him to manager, is then they would end up with a manager who they didn't even consider the first time around. So that would sort of be a quirky dynamic. But those are three primary internal options, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they landed on one of those. Well, I think it'd be uh, Hensley Bam Bam Mules will get a lot of. Uh favoritism up here because he played for the Albany County Yankees uh, over 20 years ago. So, I mean, a lot of people still remember him from those days. There you go. Yeah, big-time power prospect back in the day. Yeah, never never really got to make it as a major leaguer, but as a great uh, hitting coach for the San Francisco Giants, helped him win a couple World Series under Bruce Bochy. So, I mean, he's he's made it. I mean, he's also managed uh, in the World World Cup of Baseball. Yep, yep. He uh, managed uh, Team Netherlands in the WBC, and uh, so he's dabbled in the managing. He learned under Bruce Bochy, of course. So there's there are definitely some resume lines to like there with Hensley. I'm going to put you in a general manager's chair, Tim. Who do you want to see manage the Mets? My, my bet would be my pick would probably be Luis Rojas. Uh, he is their, right now their quality control coach, which is basically an analytics go-between for the front office and the dugout and clubhouse. And he's been with the Mets since around 2006. He coached and managed all up through their minor league system, managed most of the homegrown players on the Mets roster right now. Um, bilingual, young, well-liked by players, uh, considered by some as a, a no-doubt future manager. Um, he didn't get he wasn't considered too strongly. He wasn't quite a finalist in October when the Mets were landing on Beltron. Um, but he's someone who has been with the organization a long time and I, and I think would, could be good in this spot when they need somebody on, on short notice. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next uh, few days with the Mets and who they pick. And uh, it's going to be you know, spring training just around the corner. It's going to be a lot of uh, you know, the new managers going to have to get, get to know these players quickly and the players got to get to know the manager quickly. So it's going to be uh, very interesting in spring training for the Mets and for you to cover that. Yeah, it, it, the Mets always keep it interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Well, well, Tim, where can people find you once again on social media? They can find me on Twitter at T-I-M, B as in boy, and then my last name, Healy, H-E-A-L-E-Y, Tim B. Healy on Twitter. Well, Tim, I appreciate a few minutes uh, talking about the Mets, and uh, obviously we'll talk again soon once the uh, things get going and once the uh, Mets uh, get themselves straight with the manager. All right, thanks. That's Tim Healy of Newsday back in a moment on the podcast here. You're listening to this Party Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox.
Daily Gazette sports editor Michael Kelly. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast as we get set to wrap things up. Well, if you're a college hockey fan, look for my weekly ECAC hockey faceoff selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the faceoff selections by emailing your picks to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Union Hockey beat writer Mike McGadam joins me on the next Union Hockey-centric podcast on Friday, January 24th. We'll get you ready for the Men's and Women's Mayor's Cup game Saturday between Union and RPI. We'll have plenty of interviews for you, and I will finally get Mike to make a game prediction. If you have questions about Union Hockey, Mike and I will answer them. Send your questions to shot at dailygazette.com. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Gazette and Recorder sports writer Adam Schindler, also a fellow Philadelphian, and Newsday Mets beat writer Tim Healy. The Party Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot at dailygazette.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Party Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.